With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Media joins us on the Overnight Crowd. G'day, Mitch. Hey, Hedy, how are you, mate? Going well, thank you, mate. Uh, thanks so much for the time once again. We'll uh, dive on into a bit of cricket off the top. We'll get your thoughts on the Aussies hoping to head over to the IPL and the amazing test from the women's ashes. But first, a headline grabbing, he said, he said, denial from Cricket Australia around Justin Langer's future in the top job. What have you made of all the reporting? Well, it's it's um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind last 48 hours, I guess, for what's been a, an ongoing saga around Justin Langer's future and um, when you have kind of a, a big revelation drop it's always going to add uh, an extra twist to, to the storyline but when you have you know words from Cricket Australia themselves actually having to come out and um, I guess rule out and rebut any uh, any report of the sort that, that came from um, Fox Sports was just just yeah added another twist if there was room to make one so um, yeah it, it's been it's been quite funny to hear um, you know both sides of the story and you know believe what you want for <laughs> from um, each defendant. But um, look, I think from, from what Justin Langer and what we can tell, I guess, prior to this week was, I think he's the man to, to lead Australia. Um, I think that, you know, at the end of his contract, he was the most deserving candidate, if there are more, to, um, to you know, continue leading Australia. But I think the big talking point, um, whether it's reapplying for his job or not, is that the length of his new deal and how long it should be, obviously. Um, according to, to one side of the story, it's it's Langer, and then ideally, and, and a man in his position, he'd be loving to have you know, um, a bit more faith from Cricket Australia and a longer contract, and at the same time, you can probably understand why they might go for a you know, 12 to 18-month deal, um, given you know, the calendar that Australia has, and, the, and I guess the lack of cricket we've probably had in the last 12 months. So, look, for me, I've, I think I've always backed in um, Langer to, to mm. you know, get that extension. What the perfect time is is kind of one that's up in the air, but I'd like to think at least two more years um, for Langer, given you know where he came into um, and, and what he really had to pick up when he um, took on the position and, and where he's gotten us now has been a fantastic effort. Sure, there's been hiccups along the way. Who hasn't had them? But um, I think the next two years are going to be really critical. It's going to be really congested, um, I guess, next year or so for the Australian cricket calendar. And um, I think there's, there's no one better at the moment than Justin Langer to take that job on. There's certainly agendas at play. Uh, I'm just not sure who's uh, state v state, journal v coach, players v coach. It's tense and it's not going away. Well, until Friday's board meeting anyway, we're told. Yeah, well, there's it's going to be you know, potentially more heated discussions um, if there were some already. But um, yeah, the, the, the timeline is is certainly getting to the point it ends. Um, you know, we've got the Pakistan tour coming up, which is, Know, technically Langer's last chance to impress if he still needs to before his contract expires mid-year. So um, big board meeting will be a um, massive factor. What comes shortly after that, um, I guess we'll wait and see. But I'd like to think that Langer can at least have um, a farewell if, if it's if it's well known that he won't be take, uh, continuing his post. 
Um, and if he can still have that time with the Aussies um, over in the subcontinent, I think that would be something he certainly deserves. Um, but then again, if you know, the reports come out that he uh, he won't be extended, then whether he actually wants to be there in that trip will be another thing. So, yeah, it'll be the next week or so that's going to be big, but um, hopefully the Aussies aren't too uh, distracted and are able to focus on the Sri Lanka series and then turning their heads to Pakistan. So the upcoming uh, IPL auction, roughly two weeks away, we've already seen Maxine Stoin signed to franchises. There are another 47 players who are amongst the list of 590 players hoping to get a crack at IPL 22. How do you think they're going to fare? Well, I think what we've seen from the BBL this year and, and I guess even more so from the last IPL season is there great depth from um, the, I guess, Australian camp. We we saw probably a couple of months ago, late last year, even um, when I think Glenn Maxwell was the only player picked a, 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 initially for the uh, for the Aussies among that first take-in, and then Stoins obviously grabbed his own contract um, since. But look, I think you look at some of our more international figures, and I guess more so our uh, Australian representatives, Cummins and Smith, uh, Mitch Marsh, you know Hazelwood, Zampa, all these kind of guys. You can certainly lock them in for some pretty decent deals, I would have thought. And then there's that next group of mainstays who probably don't play or aren't as featuring um, at international level as much as we'd like to see with, you know, Chris Lynn and Usman Kawaja, Ken Richardson, these kind of guys that um, absolutely stellar at white ball cricket and more so on the domestic level. So hopefully they um, get a good run in. And then you have, uh, I guess, some more of those domestic stars that haven't really had a great look at international level. We've seen, mm. I think, Riley Meredith pocketed a fair bit last year in the IPL and he might do the same again this year in the, in the likes of Daniel Sams and uh, Darcy Short, Josh Phillippe, all these guys. Um, making a name for themselves overseas instead of just in the in the BBL will be absolutely awesome to see. And finally, to the one-off uh, Women's Ashes Test, day three was lost uh, for the majority due to rain and some aggressive and sporting declarations from the skips uh, who decided to go for a result got us a tense and tight day four where it was on the line until the last ball. What a great match. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, I think that's, you know, test cricket at its finest, what some... Something that we saw a little bit of over the summer with the men's game, but um, you know, for the only display that the women were going to get across four days as well, um, they put on an amazing show. Such a roller coaster across that last session, thinking that um, the Poms were probably going to get home given the run rate they were pushing at and the, the firepower they still had at the crease and coming. Um, and only for Australia's attack to just flip that around. Um, it was absolutely fantastic to see. I think Alana King had the, the debut test that she was certainly after. Talia McGrath. Fantastic as always, and, and Beth Mooney as well in the field, I guess, late into that um, match. It was absolutely um, stunning effort given what she's gone through in the past two weeks. So, um, yeah, that was an amazing result, and hopefully the ODIs are similar. We keep saying one-off tests. Uh, we had the one-off against India. Is there ever going to be a certain amount of evidence that is enough for the cricket bodies to make these matches a priority or at least uh, have them on the calendar? There's none at the moment scheduled, or is their argument going to continue to be that they are so good because they, they are these one-off matches? Yeah, look, the rarity factor is, uh, I think, something that's going to pull a few in, but um, I'd like to think that we can get a, a few games back-to-back-to-back at some point. As you mentioned, the calendar is pretty open. And pre- well, I guess not so open, but more droughted as far as test cricket comes with um, you know, so many nations still having such a focus on white ball cricket and you know, many haven't really competed um, in test cricket for you know a decade and a half at the moment, almost two decades. So it makes things really tricky for, I guess, a few nations to kind of start prioritising that and Obviously, that will come through junior development as well. But um, Australia leading the charge, and ideally, at one point when the ICC do turn their attention to Test Series, will be um, you know, 
perched atop of, of the rankings and, and prepared for, for Red Bull cricket. And whether that's four days or five days, I think we'll, we'll certainly be up there. Let's move on over to a bit of AFL news. And the Sydney Swans have made a captaincy announcement today that saw Josh Kennedy step down. Callum Mills is going to join Dane Rampey and Luke Parker as co-captains. Love seeing a veteran relinquish the role, but stay in the position to still be an on-field leader. Yeah, it was, um, I guess, an, an announcement that some might have been able to predict. Uh, whether And I was going to be quite intrigued whether the Swans were going to stick with the, the three co-captains um, as their cross-town rivals and the Giants have picked up this year. But to have, as you mentioned, um, JPK stepping down and Calmel stepping up, I think that's a great transition for them in the direction and, and kind of and what their list is embodied at um, heading into this year with you know, a lot of more focus on some of their younger players coming through and some of their veterans, like I said, more so leading by example uh, on field um, and still being vocal, but but having that presence for their younger players to step into new roles. And um, Mills was one of those, um, just like last year when he was able to take some more minutes in the midfield and um, you know, was what's second to Luke Parker in, in the best and fairest and had an absolute blinder year. So hopefully it's more of the same and hopefully um, Josh Kennedy's you know, still able to focus on, on his game and um, bring his best while uh, Mills, Rampy and Parker lead the way. Great to see the Kangas Ben Cunnington back down at Arden Street. He's just gone through another round of chemo, which is a stretch for nine weeks. The club and staff really giving the great man a warm welcome on his appearance at the club. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I think a nice surprise for those who would have been there today at Arden Street at training and for someone like Cunnington to pop in and um, you know the spirit and, and warm welcome he would have brought would have been fantastic and lifted everyone's spirits. And it's great to hear that he's had the support from them as well throughout the whole thing, you know, um, while he hasn't been able to be around them and support them, they've, they've certainly had his back. And um, like I said, he's just such a, a big figure at the club at the moment. And um, yeah, just to see him smiling and on the track and um, hugs and hands and, and everything going around for, for him was um, absolutely fantastic. And hopefully it's not the last we see of him. Pre-season training and some clean-up surgery, unfortunately, can go hand-in-hand. Hand. And the Geelong Cats today have revealed that Grime Myers and also their new recruit, John Segler, are both uh, going under the knife. Uh, Geelong are unwilling to put a timeline on Myers at the moment, but they expect Segler to recover quickly. Yeah, the S-word, old syndesmosis for Grime Myers. <laughs> no. it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a funny one that's popped up in footy the last few years, and it, it's not exactly one um, that does give you a, a pretty straightforward answer as far as a return, so... Hopefully for for Grind Myers, it's um it is on the shorter end. Um, he's had a few niggles, I guess, in the last couple of seasons after probably having his career best year in his first year at, at Cadenia Park. So hopefully that doesn't stunt that development too much. And as far as Jonathan Segler, it does sound pretty positive. Um, in that it was just a minor little cleanup that a few um, players have kind of gone through over the over the uh, off season and pre season, and it hasn't kept them sidelined for too long. So that sounds somewhat positive, I guess for. For the Cats, um, they've already had to deal with Jack Henry's uh, foot issue this preseason, so hopefully there aren't too more many, um, you know, potentially in a rush for round one. But um, yeah, overall positive, I think, for Jonathan Segler, and I think you know, for a player that was brought into the club, they already knew they had the depth in their ruck with you know, Reece Stanley, Savaradigalia um, from last season, so it won't hinder them too much. And even for Grind Myers, um, I think he was already trying to battle for a spot come round one, given. Um, you know, Brad Close probably cemented his spot as uh, the first string small forward, and then we've got Tyson Stengel and, and Luke Dalhouse um, also around there. So it won't be a major blow, I would say, for, for Chris Scott, but having a healthy list um, to start the year is definitely going to be key. 
something massively needed out there is uh, some sort of accountability on social media with everyone no doubt having gone through a bit of stuff, uh, being slung their way by someone nameless and faceless. Chad Wingard and also Taylor Harris are two players who have copped quite acute and sustained online abuse, and they've teamed up to press the government to bring in some new laws around our social media accounts. Yeah, it's um, it's been something that's been ever-present, I guess, for the last 24 months as social media continues to kind of take over the landscape of, of how leagues and um, players, you know, coaches, how everyone is kind of uh, engaged with, with sport these days. So um, for two players, and like you said, namely two players that have had to deal with a lot across the, probably the last 24 months, it's been um, great to hear them have the courage to still come out and, and you know, kind of take a stand against what's happening to players. And it's something that obviously is hidden behind some closed doors. Um, so for, for both, yeah, for both Chad and Taylor to come out is has been fantastic, and I think they'll have you know the overall support from the from the players' associations across both codes. So that'll be that'll be something that I think is going to get um, a lot more eyes on it this year. I know uh, Alex Woodward, the former Hawk, who um, you know had quite an in, uh, uh, had to endure a fair bit throughout his footy career, both um, you know at the Hawks with a number of ACLs, and then you know during his time at Collingwood as a runner in that in that uh, incident in the 2018 Grand Final. I know he recently said on the Real Talk with Benno podcast that. Um, he had to actually reply to some of the texts that he was getting on Instagram after that 2018 grand final, just to really say yeah, he was sorry. Like there was nothing else he could do. He said, you know, the messages he got were were horrendous. Um, but you know, this is something that's it's more needed for education rather than just calling it out and um, and making a note of it. So it's there is a, yeah, um, you know, a long way to go for this, um, and a lot of players are copying it. And I don't think the fans are seeing it, even half of it. So hopefully, it's something by season's end. Um, that it's, it's uh, yeah, quickly remembered, but also forgotten as something that exists. 100%. And uh, we're seeing it around the world and including in Australia in the Big Bash League, a spin on a pop-up player pool and the AFL is getting ahead of the game with some news coming out for players who would be eligible uh, from the country's secondary comps to uh, make their way onto an AFL list to uh, fill in for any players that are out with COVID-19 infections. Yeah, it's, um, you know, like you said, something the BBL's worked with and, and the experiment I think has definitely paid off for for a number of sides um, and what we can expect from the AFL season this year, who knows, but um, I think it, if there's ever going to be a reliance on players outside of the league, the AFL have been proactive enough for um, players to be able to step into those roles. It's kind of been a funny, um, I guess, water cooler conversation around the office the last week or so, just given, um, you know, who would be, you know, some of the players to step up and, and how it would all work given, you know, maybe one player's playing for one club next week and then against the club, he just played for the week after and, you know, should, I guess there'd be a, a, a state league star who's a real standout, how to, you know, a club's going to have to bid week in, week out on a Thursday night to make sure that they can secure his services. So it's going to be uh, one to look out for. And it's going to be really intriguing to see um, who gets a call up because um, across the, the Sample, uh, Waffle and VFL, there are certainly plenty of players, I think, worthy um, of opportunities at the AFL. And, and hopefully this gives them um, a great chance before the, the mid-season draft and then even the national and rookie drafts at the end of the year. So, um, yeah, another uh, interesting thing to come out of the, the COVID hit seasons, but certainly this one could be a positive. So the AFLW and a big day at the tribunal today with free, uh, Fremantle's Kiara Bowers suspended for two matches for an off-the-ball bump, which means her hopes of an MVP win are in tatters. Uh, your thoughts on the clash and the penalty? Yeah, it's such a tough one. Look, I think that you know, watching the game yesterday was kind of interesting just to see that um, Kirsty Lamb was... You know, on the floor out of nowhere, and the, the and the you know the free kick was 50 meters off the ball, so it must have been, you know, something quite peculiar, and and it'd take a fair bit to get Kirsty Lamb 
you know, knock down and, and, and ginger. So to see the footage today, um, like I said, 50 metres off the ball and, and, you know, quite unprecedented from Kiara Bowers. So that was really rough to see. So I think two games is probably fair. You know, I was hoping that, um, you know, that if I wouldn't probably go too much longer given, you know, it's such a short season and a three, four game ban is, is really going to wipe out, you know, um, almost half a year. So two games seems fair, just given the incident. Doesn't seem like there was heaps of high contact, but the MRO certainly ruled at that, and I think that's probably, you know, certainly a measure on the safer side. So two weeks for Kiara. Look, she missed North Melbourne this week. A huge clash for for both the Dockers and and the Kangaroos, given they're probably the two most informed sides mm-hmm. at the moment. So she's certainly going to be ruining, um, you know, being on the sidelines for this weekend, and then you know she'll have the she'll miss the Blues game the week after that. So the Dockers would be comfortable, but um, you know, hopefully they they're able to. You know, reshape their midfield uh, for this week, and and you know we'll probably still go into that game against North Melbourne in Tassie um, as favourites. But I think yeah, the bump two weeks seems about fair, um, and I think you know she's certainly putting herself in hot water um, a number of times. She just avoided it last year and was able to get it the um, AFLW best and fairest. It doesn't, it won't be the same case this year, and um, they'll be quite disappointing to see. But it certainly opens up the opportunity for some of the other informed stars from this season. Now, say what you will about me being biased, but I'm having a hard time of following the tribunal. There's two cases were thrown out that saw concussions sustained, whereas Lamb, who was involved in the Bowers hit, played on. I thought we were protecting the head. I'm not too sure what I'm missing. Yeah, it's, um, you know, some lines that seem to be getting a little bit blurred just between um, you know, what the MRO are grading for, for high contact and obviously um, a large focus for both the AFL and AFLW um, in some of these suspensions across the last year have been you know, has a lot of focus on on more so the outcome of the incident rather than, I guess, the intention. So both incidents between um, O'Driscoll uh, and I'm trying to remember the other one, but I know that they were both under... Um, oh, Wood, sorry, that's it. They were both, um, I guess, cleared and, mm. and seen as reasonable actions in moments of the game. So, um, yeah, they're certainly starting to tiptoe the line already, the MRO, <laughs> and whether that is um, something that's going to come up, you know, in... in the next few weeks or even when we hit finals, it's going to be a massive talking point if there's something similar. And I guess they want to kind of reflect on these kind of incidents. So concussion is always going to be a massive factor in these calls. Obviously, like you said, two incidents that um, you know, didn't end, they ended up quite, um, you know, scarily and, and given the bumps and the tackles and, and just how hard some of these surfaces are, it's, it's certainly going to be a big worry. And then, like you said, to see Lamb you know, play on was, was a big factor and, and, mm. um, would have been for the MRO's ruling, but they they will be taking concussion, I think, quite seriously um, from here on out. I'd like to think, I, I don't think they've undermined it at all this week, um, but seeing the trends that um, the AFLW's injury reports have been putting out, it seems like concussion is becoming an even more of a growing matter in the league. So um, hopefully um, the player safety as a, as a premium is uh, is continuing for the players in this league. Over to some NRL news and reports today that 80% of players across the league have tested positive to COVID. It's been disruptive for the preseason, but the NRL has hope it will cause less holdups in the season. Uh, how do you think it's going to go? It's, it's going to be a funny one. I think, you know, from what we've already been able to tell when clubs were trying to get back into preseason training, that it was, um, you know, wreaking havoc on the league already. And then to hear, you know, a rounded figure of 80%. Or at least 80% of the entire playing group. Um, that's you know, obviously quite a worrying figure when you've got what 480 players across the league, um, and what, what, from what we've already heard of from the Sydney Roosters and Parramatta Eels, and, and I think a majority of the New South Wales clubs to be 
facing some pretty large numbers as far as uh, positive cases already this year. It's going to be um, you know, already starting a very big uphill battle for them. So, uh, look, Peter Volandi sounds confident. You know, he thinks that they'll be able to work their way through it. He's always been, I guess, um, you know, chest out in, in these kind of situations over, uh, I guess, since early 2020. So, um, look, Dan Arrow will do everything they can to protect their players and, and just how they're going to work through this season remains to be seen. But they do seem confident. They seem, you know, that they'll... Um, have you know look for the least amount of disruptions. I think the words he was using um, today. So hopefully, um, what we'll see is is you know that number certainly dying down as far as positive cases. But it seems like it's going to be inevitable that um, some of these squads are going to need to be extended, um, and we could even see you know a development player pool or junior players required throughout the year, and, and even more so even in the the early rounds um, if the preseason trend continues. Indigenous All-Stars versus Maori All-Stars match is down on the calendar for February 12th. The squads have been announced, a few players have pulled out, and there's a decent amount of outcry over Latrell Mitchell not being allowed to play due to his ongoing suspension. Uh, should the rules uh, maybe be stretched uh, in this instance? Yeah, it's a funny one. I understand that um, you know rules are rules, and in yeah. Latrell's case yep. with that suspension... <laughs> And big hit on, on Joey Manu last year that, um, you know, when there's a representative game at hand that he'll sit out and more so I understand that's origin. Um, but I think an, an all-stars game, which is, you know, more fun than, than fierce, um, could certainly be a bit of leeway for someone in Latrell's position. You know, he will get to play in the Charity Shield match against the Dragons. You know, and that's more so obviously a trial game and, and clubs still need to prepare for their season ahead and, and players need the right development heading into the season. But I would have liked to think, that Latrell, you know, a massive figure in the Indigenous community, would be able to, uh, I guess, feature in the All Stars game, and particularly more so when you look at some of those players that aren't going to be playing um, for both the uh, Indigenous All Stars and the Maori All Stars. So, would have been nice to see the NRL give him the green light. I think, um, you know, they've already copped a fair bit of backlash for for not doing so, but the game is still going to, um, you know, be home to a plethora of, um, you know, A class players and Origin caliber players. Yep. So going to be fantastic to see and I think there's going to be some great stories come out of it between some old heads uh, rubbing shoulders with some of the emerging talents in the league. We've been waiting on confirmation of rule changes for the league and there's been a change to the six again rule and a few other game day policy amendments which will impact how the game's played. Uh, what did you make of the announcement? Yeah look I think you know between uh, the six again some of the I guess um, you know, substitution methods and, and even some of the um, you know trainers halting play, there have kind of been some big talking points over the course of the last, uh, I think, two seasons. So um, the NRL has looked to quickly you know, stamp out and, and, and halt any loopholes um, across some of those has been um, yeah, flagged today. And uh, the six again will, will be a, you know, one that they're still trying to mend and still trying to fiddle with a little bit, but hopefully the, the new rule that we'll see, um, you know, Play, um, you know, clubs, you know, not only able to utilise, you know, outside work of their, their team's own 40 metre zone and infringements or offside offences, any rucks um, inside that 40 metre zone. So that change is certainly going to be um, an interesting one, just to see how that'll that'll balance and how much that'll help the uh, the offensive side. And then, like you said, some of the game day stuff with trainers holding up play now only permitted for head injuries, which I think is the right way to go. Whether that still might be, you know messed around with and gamed with a little bit and um, that still could be the case but I think as we mentioned even earlier with the AFLW that concussions have to be at a premium um, and a priority for for you know referees and, and the NRL and the league and their players so that crackdown's um, certainly going to be needed and the free interchange rule which we saw was um, a bit of a farce last year given some of the I guess free <laughs> um, or reported 
changes on the sidelines. So, um, yeah, looking to crack down on just on some of these loopholes, I think is certainly going to um, you know, just, I guess, smooth things out more than anything. Not no major rule changes, which I think the NRL fans will be happy with, but just smoothing some things out and hopefully it's all clear come round one. All right, let's finish off with some good news for one of your teams that you're a fan of. Your LA Rams are going to Super Bowl 56. How did you enjoy the win over the Niners? And are you feeling confident on the run to a ring? Yeah, look, um, yeah, Monday was absolutely awesome. Uh, look, we've been here before four years ago and the result <laughs> probably didn't pan out. But, um, you know, a brand, I won't say a brand new team, but, um, you know, certainly some new personalities in this side it might give us the extra edge. Um, the win over the Niners was absolutely fantastic um, across the last... Probably, I guess, two weeks. It's been a um, bit of a roller coaster when the Rams have had to play across all four quarters, um, and Monday was was no exception. So, um, yeah, it was yeah a massive win, especially over the Niners. You know, a division rival um, and a team that that has so much history compared to what what LA have kind of had to endure over the last twenty or so years. So, um, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic to get that win on Monday and um, to play against the Bengals. Look, if you said we were going to be in the Super Bowl at the start of the year, I probably would have laughed, but. You mentioned the Bengals were going to be who we're coming up against. I, I probably would have passed out. It, Still it, been um, laughing, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's um, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, I guess for for the Cincinnati fans just to see what they've been able to do this year with Burrow, Chase, Mix, and these guys leading that offense. Um, and as far as confidence, they're going up against them. Look, it's really going to be interesting to see how their O line goes um, against, I guess, our defense. Aaron Donald, um, absolute superstar of the game. Oh yeah. Um, you know, probably arguably the best in it. And then when you've got you know, senior head like Von Miller, who's been on the big stage before, or I guess, you know, Donald has too, but Miller more so on a successful standpoint and an and MVP, mind you, um, is going to bring, um, you know, some, some real grunt to, to that um, defensive outlet. So that's going to be, I think, a, a big factor is, is uh, the Rams' defense against um, the Bengals' O-line and, and just how well they can protect Burrow. And then on the flip of things, you know, see players like Odell Beckham Jr. Um, in the Super Bowl is going to be quite an exciting spectacle, I, I think. It's going to be a lot of build-up to that one between him and Jalen Ramsey. And then um, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, how well they can, can pair up might just be um, how well this game goes. So I'm really excited. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. And um, I think this is going to be a very long next 10 days or so yes, before, I know. Uh, before the Super Bowl for me. <laughs> Such a wait. And uh, also last night, the great Tom Brady confirmed the news that broke, but was denied over the weekend. He is, in fact, retiring after a 22-season, seven uh, Super Bowl uh, career, and most certainly the title of the GOAT. Yeah, no disputing that whatsoever. As you mentioned, probably would have been nice to have a, a more smoother <laughs> retirement announcement for someone of Brady's caliber. But um, look, just to hear him confirm it was, was I guess, dead. Stunted the surprise, but certainly didn't take away from celebrating a, a career like his, like you said, an, an absolute stellar effort from, from day dot. I think, you know, coming in and in his 20s, it wasn't always, um, you know, Brady's game when he was um, at the scrimmage, but to see just how he's developed and even through his 30s, how, how fantastic he was able to lead teams. And then somehow even in his 40s to be just as probably even at the best of his game um, and still in the MVP conversations year after year has been um, you know, a real credit to him, and that's exactly why he will go down as the greatest of all time. Um, and even I think just even getting that ring with the Bucks um, just adds yeah. to um, the whole tale that is Tom Brady from I guess the whole draft um, saga and, and and almost being scratched out of a selection <laughs> to to where he is now. Um, it's a journey that's certainly unparalleled in in the sporting history. Mitch, really appreciate the time and the efforts once again, mate. We'll keep up with your work across Zero Digital Media. 
Thanks again, Heidi. Cheers, mate. Talk, talk soon. That's Mitch Keating from Zero Digital Media joining us on the overnight crowd. Uh, any thoughts out of what we just had a chat with Mitch about? Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen or one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We would love to hear from you on the overnight crowd, and we'll be right back on the overnight crowd just after this. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Maccas, together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.